Please pray with me. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Some of you know that Charles, my three-year-old son, spent most of a recent week in a hospital because of a rare infectious disease. It was a long week, um, but I'm glad to report to you all that he is doing very well after his hospitalization. He's back at school, and he's mostly returned to being his normal, rambunctious three-year-old self. I told the young adults who gathered last Wednesday for our monthly Latrobe service that I asked Charles the other day after he got out of the hospital if he was ready to, to go back to church since he hasn't been in several weeks because of his illness. And he looked up at me and thought for a few seconds, and then he said, no, I'll probably be sick that day. <laughs> and I thought, he's a typical preacher's kid. What I'm learning, not only as, as I get older and as my own body changes, but most especially now that I have two children that I have to care for, is, is that our bodies are important. Most of you probably already know this as you think about your own life, your own body, or the lives that you share with spouses or children or family members or friends. Our, our bodies are important. They require constant care. It was very hard for us, for, for my wife Catherine and me, to see Charles's little body lying in a hospital bed and to watch the staff come in all day and all night long to poke and prod him over and over again. His little body was in pain, and it was hard for me not to just want to scream at those people and tell them to stop when they were sticking needles in him. But we let them do their jobs because we knew that getting his, his little body healthy again was what was most important. Our bodies are important. They are gifts from God. They are, as St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians, temples, dwelling places for the Holy Spirit. And it's during the Easter season that we are reminded over and over again in our lessons and in our hymns that the body, particularly the belief in the resurrected body, is a central tenet of the Christian faith. Last week, we heard the story from John's Gospel account of, of Thomas, who says to his fellow apostles that he cannot, that he will not believe that Jesus' body has been raised from the dead unless he can see the nail marks in his hands and, and put his fingers in those marks and put his hand in his side. And so Jesus comes and says to him, do not doubt, but believe. This week, we're in Luke's Gospel account, hearing another post-resurrection story, Luke devotes an entire chapter, chapter 24, to the resurrection. First, there is the Easter morning story where the women and Peter encounter the risen Jesus. Then we have the story later on that same day of the road to Emmaus where, where two of Jesus' disciples were traveling and are surprised to encounter the risen Jesus on the road. And then that's followed by the story that we hear today. Much like last week, we find the followers of Jesus hidden away, hidden away because they are afraid. They are sharing stories about how Jesus has been raised from the dead, and then that very same resurrected Jesus stands in their midst. And their reaction, I think, is quite human. Jesus stands among them, and they think that the, he is a ghost, that they are seeing a ghost. And in their Jewish minds, a ghost was not a good thing to interact with. 
So Jesus goes about trying to show them that he is in fact alive. Look, look at my hands, look at my feet. He says, see that it is I myself. Touch me, touch me and see that it's me. For a ghost does not have flesh and blood as you see that I have. And the text says that these disciples, they had joy in their hearts, but, but they still didn't believe that this formerly dead body was, was now alive. And so Jesus asks them for something to eat. And this was this was sort of the ultimate test to prove that he was really alive because it was understood then just as it's probably understood now that ghosts don't really eat food. Luke informs us that the Savior of the world in one of his first utterances out of the grave, he asks for food. He doesn't make a pronouncement about the coming age. He asks for something to eat because he wants to show them that his body his body, Jesus' body, is alive. The ultimate proof, at least for me, that bodies matter, that bodies are important, is that Jesus had a body. Faith in Jesus, faith in the body, the resurrected body, and the extraordinary message of the New Testament is that God in Jesus Christ comes into the world and takes on human flesh just like us. And he does that not just to die, but also that he might live and show us how to live lives that are fully alive. The whole Easter season is more than just about the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago. That's, that's a big part of it, but it's also just as much about us, those of us who are gathered here today. Easter is also meant to be a time for us to take seriously the call, our call to live, to be witnesses, that is, living examples of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The heart of the Easter faith is that those who encounter the risen Jesus have their lives changed forever. They become fully alive. And so, the question that I wonder with you all today is, are there things that that you need to do, that we need to do, so that we can be fully alive? John Powell, who was a a great Jesuit priest and psychologist and wrote a number of books, uh, wrote a book uh, a number of years ago called Fully Human and Fully Alive. And he says that there are a number of things that we can do to live our lives to the fullest. He wrote that if we want to be fully alive, we need to do three things. We need to be, we need to believe, and we need to belong. We need to be, we need to believe, and we need to belong. Powell maintains that people who are fully alive have more than a superficial sense of being loved unconditionally in spite of their own weaknesses, in spite of their own sins, uh, in spite of their own perfections, he says, because they derive their personal worth not from what they do or what they don't do, but from God. He says these self-acceptors are able to be gentle with themselves rather than live with the crippling side effects of self-loathing or self-condemnation. And then he says once they accept themselves, then they are able to be themselves. That is what God created them to be, to live their lives to the fullest, trusting and believing in the risen Jesus, that that risen Jesus comes into our lives not as a, not as a shame-bearer, but as a life-bearer and a life-giver. A second key to abundant living, according to Powell, is is that we believe. The resurrection of Jesus called the disciples to be fully alive by giving them a specific purpose, a calling, and that calling was, was to be witnesses to the glorious news that death is not the final answer, that hate is not the final word, that love wins. 
We're meant to be, as Jesus says today in Luke's Gospel account, witnesses to this great hope in all the world. Believing in something gives us purpose, gives us a reason to live our lives to the fullest. Believing in something gives us a why to live, Powell writes. And then Powell writes finally that that those who are fully alive belong. He says they have a sense of community. And he encourages those who want to live abundant lives to to find a community in which you can be accepted and supported, a community that builds you up rather than tears you down, a community that challenges you and pushes you to grow and to be your very best self. So how can you be fully alive? By accepting yourself, by believing in yourself, by believing that you have a purpose, a unique calling from God, and by finding others, finding a a community of people who are committed to helping you, to helping us live abundant lives. One of my favorite stories about abundant living comes from one of my mentors, a retired Episcopal priest, who tells the story of working in a parish as the interim rector in Alabama. There was a woman, he says, who had been been very ill, and because of her illness, she was uh, understandably very very upset and very angry with God and just angry with her life in general. He says that a friend invited her to attend uh, the church where he was serving, and uh, while she was there, when she started to come, she found a, a community of people there who were supporting her, a community of people who were praying for her and loving her, a community of people who were reminding her that even in her illness, she could still live abundantly and with a sense of purpose. Corky, the priest who was working in that parish, says that that one Sunday morning, this, this woman who was always very well put together, this woman who was very posh and very well dressed all the time, uh, came into church for the service, and, and all over her body she had uh, packages of hamburger buns and hot dog buns sort of just taped and tied to her clothes, and she looked very odd, and everyone was sort of startled by her appearance that Sunday morning. When it was time for her to take communion, Corky says that she sort of shimmied out of her pew and kind of swayed up to the altar rail, kind of dancing as she went on up. And then when she finally got there, Corky said that he, that he bent down and he asked her what, what was going on and why she was dressed in, in this crazy way. And he said that she looked up at him and said, this church, this community has given me a purpose. And even though I'm sick, I feel more alive than I ever have before. And she said, I decided that today I was going to do a bun dance to remind everyone that I'm still alive. With all of those hamburger buns and hot dog buns taped all over, she was doing a bun dance that morning in church. The stories that we're hearing during this Easter season are meant to be reminders that that resurrection isn't just a belief in some future hope. Resurrection isn't just about the sweet by and by, that heavenly promise that we have in the life to come. That's certainly a part of what we proclaim, but that's, that's not all that we proclaim. Resurrection is also about being alive now, alive today, fully alive and, and thankful for the bodies, for the lives that we've each been given. St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans that as we are united with Christ in his death, so also we are united with him in his resurrection. The call, the call from the resurrected Jesus is to share in his resurrection and to be his witnesses in the world. And so may we each be fully engaged in the work of, of living fully and living abundantly with thankful and grateful hearts 
in our own lives. Amen.